When I heard that there was a project called Freedom to Roam, which involved some top-class musicians, and that one of them, the flautist Eliza Marshall, lived in the Malvern Hills, I knew we had to come to investigate for Folk on Foot. Eliza has played with all sorts of musicians touring the world with people like Peter Gabriel and Paul McCartney. She's classically trained, but she's also played folk music too, and she's assembled this extraordinary cast in a kind of multimedia project which has layer upon layer of meaning, as we'll find out as we take a walk in the Malvern Hills. Eliza, good morning. It's wonderful to see you, and you've brought us to a most amazing spot. We're in your back garden. We are. The, we are. It's where so are great. we exactly? Tell us exactly where we are. Well, it's amazing you're here, Matthew, and so we're in West Malvern. Our house is built into the hills, so if you go into our kitchen, we have a rock there. And we're looking out over the forests and the woods that head out towards the west and Wales. I it's think. a most spectacular view. There's a sort of wooded hill there. And then the hills spread away into the distance, don't they? They do. I mean, from here we can see out out there we've got Clee Hill. So that's out towards Shropshire. Then we get the sunset here as well, obviously, because we're on the west, which is really fantastic. And then you've got a kind of band of trees. We look at that from our little studio in the house and it really reminds me of sort of the Ents and Tolkien, who loved Malvern, and how that might have influenced him. And do you think if we went inside the house, we might find some other musicians? Well, I think we should go and have a look, don't you? Well, I can definitely hear some sort of noise going on downstairs. I can hear kind of ramshackle noises, which possibly suggest musicians. What do you think? So who's, who's in your front room? Hiding over there at the piano, we've got Donal Rogers. And then we've also got Andrew Morgan, who was the producer extraordinaire for this whole album that we've done. We've got Jackie Shave on violin. And perched behind this enormous concert harp, we've got Catherine Finch. And Drew's playing percussion as well. So we normally have a tabla player in this group. But Drew is a kind of multi-talented everything. So uh, we've roped him into this. He loves walking and he loves talking. So what's not to love about folk on foot? And what, what are you going to play here for us? A piece that Don mainly wrote, really, called Coming Home. Thank you. 
That was wonderful. So lovely to hear the sort of echo of the harp at the end there, the resonance of the strings. It's called Coming Coming Home, home, and you're playing it at home here. Yeah, yeah, it's so (laughs) wonderful, actually, to be able to do that. It's just such a nice feeling. I think that's what the whole essence of the album was, that we wanted to have that feeling. You are coming home, and and we're all together here. It's really, really important. Where are you going to take us to on the walk? Well... It's so exciting. Because we live right on the end of the Malvern Hills, we're going to take you up from here and we're going to go up End Hill and then we're going to go along the hills up to the Beacon and uh, maybe discover a few musicians along the way as well. Well, That would be fantastic. And are we going to bring the harp with us? Who's carrying the harp? Well, I mean, Catherine. (laughs) Catherine, (laughs) Catherine, you're quite used to it, aren't you? Putting the thing, it's about six foot tall. It won't be a problem to point that with us. Stick it in its backpack, it'll be fine. (laughs) Let's go. Brilliant. So the important thing, Eliza, is that you've brought Molly the Collie. I mean, Molly comes everywhere with us, so (laughs) she's an integral part of the project, I think, isn't she? (laughs) And uh, various instruments are being carried, backpacks, percussion. Yep, we've got beaters, we've got violins, we've got... What have you got, Drew? I've got a cigar box guitar and some frame drums and a little drum you gave me that I don't even know what it is but we'll play it today and see what happens I think that came from um, Calaba Causeway in Mumbai (laughs) and and the cigar box guitar that's a classic American instrument isn't it is it really a cigar box that it's made out of this actually is a Bristol made kit that I found at a festival and I thought well I'll just put that together although I am American I, I didn't get it back there I found it here okay let's get off up the hill fantastic okay I don't want to sound apprehensive, but it's a bit steep, isn't it? Well, so this is quite steep, this bit, actually. In fact, this is the very northern point of the hills. So if we sound a bit breathless, that's why. Um, But I really want to start to learn a little bit about how this Freedom to Roam project began. Where, Where did it start? It actually kind of started about four years ago with an idea of how do we do something as musicians and as creatives that is really meaningful and that uses our platform I suppose to portray topics that are really really important to us and it all kind of started with an email that I sent to Will Travers at the Born Free Foundation just saying I'm putting together this project and I'd really love to do something as a fundraiser for you. And just tell us about the Born Free Foundation and what that does. So the Born Free Foundation was set up by Virginia McKenna, wonderful actress of the Born Free film and her husband, Bill Travis, and their son, Will. And essentially, inspired by acting in the film, it's all to do with keeping wildlife in the wild. The film is the story of um, the lioness, isn't it? Yes, it's the story of Elsa the lion. Can you remember exactly what date that came out? It's probably in the 60s, I think. I think it was in the 60s. 60s or 70s. And um, Obviously long before your time and... Well, Nearly before my time. Of, yes. <laughs> but they've, they've devoted their lives, really, to promoting the interests of animals and, and wildlife. Absolutely. And I mean, Virginia McKenna, who we met through this project, actually, is just the most extraordinary lady. She's, I think she's just turned 91, and she's still campaigning for wildlife. And her passion to allow freedom for animals... And that's freedom from cap- captivity, really. Freedom. freedom from being locked up in zoos or used for entertainment and that kind of thing. Exactly that, yeah. That's kind but of resonated. But things broadened out from that, didn't they? I mean, it seems to me as though you've 
you've embraced a whole lot of other issues. Absolutely, yeah. So the name came about, Jackie and I were up on Col, Little Hebridean Island, where the cellist Bert has a small cottage. And we were talking about the right to roam in Scotland. Which is different from England, isn't it? There's a great deal more freedom in Scotland. Absolutely, it's completely different to England. In fact, Jackie's got a lovely story just seeing a sign saying private land, but actually there was a, a style next to it. <laughs> and I mean, I think that's a really important issue within England at the moment anyway, our access to land, and especially after this time and this little pandemic that we've been experiencing, that actually our connection to land and nature and one another is vital, actually. I suppose that must have been something that was great for you to have during the pandemic if you were here your immediate access to this landscape must have been incredibly good for your mental health I mean the access to this land has been phenomenal and actually I mean look we're walking amongst uncut grasses beautiful high ferns earlier in the year this is all blue with bluebells and you see the seasons change when you have that much time to to be somewhere like this and, and just opening up on our right, yes, you can see that the climb is absolutely worth it because we can see for miles across yeah. the plain there. It's fabulous, isn't it? And really, this is what we were looking at from our garden, actually. So again, you're looking out to Shropshire and the Clee Hills. And then just around this corner, you've got those beautiful trees that you can see from the front of our house. So, oh, so um, beautiful. And it's a glorious day because there's a little bit of cloud, but you can also see some blue sky in the distance and it's warm and you can see patches of sunlight on the fields yes really beautiful let's keep going so okay are you all ready for the next ascent oh uh, yes no? <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the hardest bit i mean of, as the initial part of the walk and this is end hill i love this because i mean all of the hills are very magical but somehow this reminds me of West Scotland and it's slightly wilder. We've got some nice rocks coming up as we get up here. Yeah, so so then the right to roam yes. became part of it, but also caring for nature, caring for the planet. Absolutely. I mean I think at the the very core of this whole project is the idea that there are possibilities and there's potential to do lots of great things and to come together to appreciate nature, to appreciate humanity. So things like refugees, understanding human displacement, core issues that are so important these days, but that sometimes we're kind of just bombarded with all the negatives. And actually within the project to say, look, all these things that are happening, be it war, natural disasters, climate change, that actually there are also lots of people doing lots of great things to try and combat these. And I think that's really important to represent that and talk about it. And it became a kind of multimedia project with more than just music, although one should never say just music, but with more than music. Yeah, it did actually. Um, this was the bit that I suppose challenged me the most in anything that I've ever put together or curated that it sort of ended up being a half hour documentary 
followed by the whole album that essentially was written like a sort of storyboard, like a soundtrack. And then behind that, we had this wonderful visual artwork that was interspersed with images from the documentary. You, you speak to people who are almost single-handedly, in some cases, rewilding parts of the country. Absolutely, rewilding, working on their mental health, working on other people's mental health, things like people opening their homes to refugees from Ukraine. I mean, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it, if that was for refugees from many places, but people want to do things. I think, and something that Virginia McKenna said in our documentary is that actually, essentially, people are good people. We're humane and well that's an interesting insight because it would be easy if you were just a kind of casual social media user to think that actually there's a lot of anger and a lot of evil out there but your experience is that the great mass of humanity as it were has positive energy and and wants to do things that are good i think we all have great positive potential and that if we were bombarded with that in the same way that we are negativity that we would come together, we would join forces, we would, you know, you look at all this mental, these mental health issues these days and you think, no wonder people get up and they're hit with every depressing thing that, yes, is a reality. We don't want to deny that there are lots of things to fix and lots of things to be done. But even tiny, tiny things like the verges aren't being cut down so much these days. They're full of wildflowers. That's a little tiny thing, isn't it? We can all get involved in that. We can get involved in our communities more. Maybe that would harness a whole new energy that I really believe in. And I think that, again, is the essence of my part in why I want to build Freedom to Roam and why I want to have this platform. Um, <laughs> Let's just take a little breath. Leaving central London at uh, 10 to 8 this morning and then finding ourselves here Wow, this is why we do the podcast. (laughs) This makes you feel so good looking out at this view. Just lifts your spirits and... You know, it reminds me when when I get back here, because we all kind of work in London a lot as well. When we get back here, Jackie's the same, she's down in Exmoor. It reminds me of jumping into like a cold lake because the air is so fresh. We're actually quite high here. How high are we going? Well, if we go to the top of Worcestershire Beacon, it's about 1300 feet. So, and you can really breathe there. You can really breathe. It's so wonderful. It's, you kind of feel it envelop you, don't you, this amazing fresh air. Seeing the horizon is just very inspiring, isn't it? It's, the view is indescribably beautiful. The sense of space and yeah. distance. Sky. Because it is actually 180 degrees here, isn't it? It's all around us. It's, it's you know, because we're, we're back to the hill, but in front of us is just this panorama. And, oh, actually, and in fact, it's more than 180 degrees because I can see to my left, too. Can we see Wales? We can. So we'll, we'll walk about a mile closer to Wales. <laughs> but, <laughs> but from here, we can still... If you see the tabletop kind of mountain there, yep. that's the Black Mountains. And then, actually, I think we're really lucky. We've got a fabulous day, actually, that you can sometimes see Penny Fan, which is part of the Breckens. It's an incredible kind of run of hills, in a way, because it's just kind of sprung up. It's just here. It's, you're not part of a set of mountains. It sort of feels strange, but as you say, you've then got these amazing sort of valleys and floodplains, dare I say. Well, let's go up because it might be even greater. The view might be even better from the top. Well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> 
So Don and Catherine are arriving by van. You know, fair dues. They've got to bring the harp and various other instruments with them. So, you know, we allowed them to do that, didn't we, while we were climbing the hill? We thought we'd let them just, you know, just for a mile or so, we thought maybe you don't have to bring in an enormous harp and a balafon. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, is this your dog? It is, yeah, my little mutt. What's his name? He's called... Tupsin, or Tups for short. So what does that mean? Tupsin is the Welsh word for being a bit dim. Right. Yeah. And is he? Yes, he is, yeah. Okay. He's very, very much like his name. He grew into it well. Uh, Don, what are you unloading there from the van? It's a balafon. It's an African instrument. I'm not sure exactly what country it's from in Africa, but... Uh, so it's a kind of xylophone made of wood. It is. With gourds be... underneath, yeah? Yeah, Is absolutely. that the sort of amplification? It kind of, and it, it, it gives it a tone. It also... Um, gives it some vibration and there's a little distorted sound on them when you play but that's part of the, the beauty of them yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. so which you'll hear hopefully <laughs> and, and look look here because um Catherine this is beyond the call of juicy you've now got the harp on your back well this is a different harp <laughs> it's not the six foot one we had earlier. yeah this is what a... kind of harp is this well it's just a little um do you know what? I don't really know what they call it but it's just a little kind of lap harp a lap harp yeah I suppose a little um liever harp so it's got little levers on instead of any of the pedals and things very simple little and does it have a, a, a much more narrow kind of set of yeah, notes it's, it's a little thing yeah
<laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you so much. Who, who wrote that piece? Who, who was... Jackie, you, you wrote that. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the inspiration for it. Well, I think it's really a kind of celebration of the rain and how much we take water for granted in our culture. And, I mean, my tracks on the album have a kind of story and this is the beginning of them in a way. There's kind of clouds gathering and then the rain eventually comes. So it's just celebrating the simplicity of the rain falling from the sky really it's a sort of joyful joyful piece really that's the idea and when you started thinking about this project what was the reason that you wanted to get involved why did you think it was so compelling i mean i met eliza gosh when was it how long ago probably about um 15 15, 15, 15 years oh ago God, 15 years ago we met on the peter gabriel tour and we, we very quickly found we had a lot in common mostly being the sort of love of wild places and Scotland and everything. And my particular thing I get worked up and angry about is um, the plight that refugees find themselves in and the, the detention centres. I wanted to write an angry piece. That's what my brutal piece is about. I think quite often in projects that are to do with the environment and it, and it can be lovely and peaceful, And I'd, but I, I do feel angry about a lot of stuff in the world and I very much wanted to throw my energies into trying to get this feeling into into music really so I jumped at the chance and we had the time of course in lockdown it was an amazing gift and what was the process did you all go away separately and think of ideas and then bring them back to the group yeah we well we bounced ideas around and I think initially we were going to kind of collaborate and do it together but in fact because of the lockdown what happened was we all went off into our little caves and wrote our own music and just by incredible luck and chance it all fitted together in this sort of story this narrative which I still can't really get over the fact that it fits and the story works and there's that feeling I think of going into darkness but also this hope just we want to remind people that we are all connected we're connected to everything and at the end of the album I hope that it's like having someone hold your hand you know we're in this together and yes Let's be aware of all the injustices and all the inequalities, but 
there's a lot to be thankful for and to try and connect with and in these days where we're all little islands so much we need to remind ourselves that we're we're massively connected and do you spend a lot of time out in the wilderness yourself do you like to get away from everything i absolutely do i mean i went off and lived on the isle of harris for a year and that's when I started writing, actually. And I'm not T- sure. Tell it me would about have life on the Isle of Harris. Tell me about what your life was like there. What, how you spent your time and how you fitted with the community. Okay. Well, it was in the middle of nowhere, really. Um, but I very soon met a sculptor there, and we came up with this idea of because I was in a string quartet for years, and I'd played the Beethoven quartets. But I thought, let's play all the Beethoven quartets on the island. And we did a whole cycle on the island in that year. Um, so you brought other musicians to join you? I brought you? other musicians and they came for like three weeks and we'd do a few of them then they'd go away and then come back. And it was uh, And where were you heaven. playing? In, in the village hall? We or? played in the sculpture studio in a little village called Finns Bay. In fact, one of Nikolai's images of a whale on the beach is in this project, in the artwork. So there's a nice connection there. Is this the first time that you've actually played the music outside? Yes, it is. It totally <laughs> what, if it, is. what if it feels different <laughs> when you're playing it in, in, in these? Extra, I mean, with this extraordinary view, uh, uh, just on, on on the other side of the grass there. It's pretty moving, looking isn't out it? Over that plain and playing the music here, does it does it take on a different resonance? It does because everything's stripped away. I mean, on the day of a gig, it'll all be the leads and the sound check and the, everyone saying this is too loud. This is too, you know to just be us and our instruments with everything stripped away is quite special actually. And it just goes to show it can go, we can play it anywhere, you know, which is great. Let's get walking. Yeah, lovely. I might just fall in alongside you, Donald, if, uh, if that's all yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, walk up this bit. See if we can escape the dogs. <laughs> Do you ever get used to this, this view, this, this atmosphere? Not really. No, I always thought I would. I spent a lot of time on a farm when I was a... Uh, yeah, kid in Ireland, and uh, you can get kind of a bit of uh, stop noticing the beauty of somewhere. But there's so many different routes here, and yeah, I find it quite inspiring, especially the, the people who've been here before, like Elgar, and apparently C.S. Lewis, and other people who've just all got been inspired. So C.S. Lewis came here a lot, did apparently. He? Because yeah, we saw a lamppost that looked very Narnian earlier on. Oh, right. So I don't know whether that was part of his inspiration. Who knows? And Tolkien and El- and as Tolkien well. was here as well. Yeah. And, and Elgar obviously famously was inspired by these he hills, was. wasn't he? He was. And when you walk the top of the hills, which we're not quite on, I don't know, it, it evokes something. And he's everywhere around here. My sister has a house and outside is a placard and Elgar taught in her house at one point. <laughs> Elgar was here. He's just everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Queen Elizabeth slept in every pub in England, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's right. Elgar was in all the buildings around yes. here. So tell me a, a bit about your involvement in this project. I mean, obviously you, you've been living with it in the yes. sense that Eliza... But it was hard to escape it. Yeah. <laughs> So did she rope you in early on? She, it was, yeah. Well, I think it was, there was a lot of discussion before there was a project. You know, when you, you actually start thinking about all the things that mean something to you in life. And like most people, you watch the news, you see something terrible to do with maybe migration. You see something terrible to do with climate change. And eventually you start to join the dots and you find that there's a lot of things which are all together. It's almost as if there's one problem. And then... 
on many chats up in Col and Scotland, chatting to Jackie and to Catherine, we started to feel it as a project. And uh, then it was nice to be involved. I normally write songs when I'm singing everything. So to have the opportunity to write something instrumental was brilliant. You know, did you find it nice. liberating or did very, you find it confining? Very liberating. I mostly write in terms of melody anyway. I've always got a tune in my head and I always fit a lyric to it or a vocal tune to it. And so to think, oh no, I'll just leave it as the tune. And it was like, oh, it's actually quite good. That is, you know. and, and Coming Home was your contribution to, yes. to the album, which we heard earlier. Tell us about that and why, why well, you came up with that. Well, I'm a big reader of science fiction. And I follow quite a lot of what Elon Musk says and, and reading old Ben Bova books, like loads and loads of them. And I liked the idea that home might be somewhere you haven't been yet. And so I was writing it in a, you know, one day we'll be on Mars and someone will have to call that home. Like somebody who might be migrating now, running from a war, and they're going to have to feel that home is their destination rather than simply from somewhere they've been. So I kind of wanted to express that. And uh, like a dawn, you know when dawn comes up, and uh, you see the light. I kind of wanted the feeling of, ah, home, it's here. And it must have been like the pioneers going to America. You know, you go over the hill, there's one further valley, and somebody says, Grandpa says, this is the place. <laughs> and kind of, so that in a sense, something kind of moving and somewhere you're content to be. So I wanted to kind of put that in, the whole, uh, all the ingredients from science fiction to uh, old movies, perhaps. <laughs> and how did you and Eliza come together? That was, uh, to be honest, it was a wedding. <laughs> a friend of mine and a friend of hers, and that was it. That was it. Uh, she was a bridesmaid. I'd come from a 30-day tour. You weren't an usher or anything, were you? No, I was not even going to go. <laughs> and then I thought I'd better had, because it had been quite a heavy tour. And then the bridesmaid walked down and thought, well, she's quite nice. And then that was about 17 years ago. And did music cement the bond? We chatted all night about music and collie dogs. Those are the two things, are they? Collies. So we've got Molly the collie and yeah. we've got the music. Yeah. And that's all you need for a successful well, relationship. Well, that's what it was. Yeah. So far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> and perhaps sharing this environment, sharing these views together doesn't do any harm oh it doesn't at all no it's a great place to um to let it all go really to let your thoughts go yeah i love it i've lived in some other places in the countryside and not got the feeling but there's a great feeling here it's not at the extremity of anything it's like in the middle of england somewhere it's like a secret it's like wow you wouldn't have thought you were Birmingham was that up the road or something it's only about an hour it's less than an hour away and you often hear people just coming here from Birmingham for a weekend or for the day to decompress absolutely it's wonderful for them there's a big hill there we're going to climb that do you think we're not no (laughs) apparently we've got to get to the right so I think we're going down that we've got to get to the right of the hill okay let's do that purple fox gloves on the side of the path here and loads of them going up the hill amongst the ferns really 
Wonderful. And, and Catherine, I'm trying to get a sense from everybody of what this project means to them. So I, I wonder if you can tell us what it means to you and why you decided you wanted to get involved. Um, well, Eliza is a great friend of mine. So I've known her since we studied together at the Academy 20 plus years ago now. She was telling me about her idea and you know this project and I increasingly actually have found collaboration and working with other musicians something that I have enjoyed very much and it's it's sort of increasingly becoming a quite important part of who I am I think and I just loved you know the ideas she was talking about the ethos behind it resonated with me it is sort of a, a big idea but essentially it's about the world isn't it it's about nature it's about wild spaces and giving something back to nature and wildlife and and what does nature mean to you is it something that you care passionately about is it somewhere you spend a lot of your time yeah it really is i live in a small village just outside cardiff but there's some fabulous walks around there the garth mountain and obviously you know i I have a a dog and i love wildlife Um, my father actually as well lives nearby and owns nearly 50 acres of both pasture land and woodland just as you sort of enter the South Wales valleys and he's planted a massive orchard there so he's planted over 600 trees now mainly apple but all pear and cherry and all sorts as well so you know I kind of help him there on on the land a little bit and we're sort of rewilding it in a way you know the the woodland bit of it just goes about its It's annual business business, you know (laughs) and um, I grew up in the countryside I grew up on the west coast of Wales by the sea and so walks and the sea in my childhood was a big thing obviously and has it inspired your music making before you came to this project yeah I think most definitely I think you know your surroundings and your upbringing and where you're from I think are a big part of of who you become as a musician aren't they and um there's a project called Tides which was a self-written project on the sea, really, on, on being inspired by water. And you, you, um, I know that you did an album with Sekukata called yeah, Saw, yeah. which is about ospreys yeah, and their well, migration journey. Well, that was an amazing, just light bulb moment for us. I, I, I'm in a duo with Sekukata on the Cora, and we did one album called Klachai Dibon, and it was very much based on traditional music, I suppose. He took some of his traditional Senegalese music. I drew on Welsh traditional music and we sort of paired them together. And then Saw came about because we'd actually started writing music together. And then Tamsin, who works on the management team with us, said that her father had started volunteering at the Osprey Centre, Dovey Osprey Centre, which is just right on the coast, just south of Machantleth. And, of course, the Osprey, did we know, migrates every year from here on the west coast of Wales, where, of course, I was born, and to the southern shores of Senegal where Seku is from and straight away it was this like oh my god this is amazing isn't it this whole idea this bird it flies it migrates it it has freedom it's open borders it travels as it wishes and it makes this journey this annual journey and um yeah between your two cultures absolutely and sometimes with a project like that you find such inspiration in an idea and freedom to roam is a similar kind of thing you know there is an idea behind it, isn't there? There's a picture, there's emotion. And I think when you have that, it can spur on creativity and that music writing process, really. And you're going to play one of your pieces from the Freedom to Roam project for us now. Can you yeah. tell us about that? Well, so when um, you know when we were starting up the project, so Eliza, Don, Jackie and I 
were each invited, I suppose, to bring some music to the table. I had two pieces that were sort of on the back burner, I suppose. One of them called Freedom, and then there's the other one called Turning Tides, which is the one I'll be playing today. So, And that's what's nice. I suppose what happened was, you know, we bought these ideas, and then it was all through the whole COVID lockdowns and things. You know, we exchanged ideas and, and started to create, and, and that in itself was an inspirational process because we were all so shut off and locked down. Well, and I wonder stuff. if that became your freedom to roam, as it were, your mental freedom well, to roam, even though you were stuck in one place. You know, yeah, absolutely it was. And, and we all needed it, actually, to to keep our creativity going. And, and um, does Turning Tides have a, a message that it wants to convey? It's the turning around, it's the idea that maybe the tides could turn and that things could get better and messages like ours could start making a difference, you know, to the world and to the way people live their lives, I suppose. Because it's, it's so easy to get depressed, isn't it, if you oh, God, start yeah. to mount up the issues that <laughs> we need to be concerned about and that we should be worried well, about. I... It's very easy to have a downer, and it's obvious that you all wanted to give us some hope as well as to warn us about the future. Yeah, absolutely, and music has that maybe magic about it, doesn't it, that it can instill and it can bring out emotions I think and make people quite thoughtful to things even if someone just came across our music and happened to listen and it made them think about it for the five ten minutes they're listening to the piece or whatever but even that in itself might change things for that listener and then you know and and that onward message will keep going around and and that's what's got to happen is it essentially isn't it that we all need to start thinking more and being more aware of the way we're living, I think. Thank you. 
Catherine, we've gone to great lengths. You've gone to great lengths to get your harp halfway up the side of this hill. Yeah. Have you ever uh, have you ever done that before? Is this the sort of thing you regularly do? Um, yeah, I regularly bring my harp to the top of the Mulvins and and play here <laughs> to, my, to myself nearly every Sunday actually. And this is, are we just going to be clear? This is the concert harp. This is not the lap harp or anything no, like that. Yeah, yeah. We, and we, it took uh, several of us to get it into position, find a flat bit, and you can hear the wind. Yeah, it's actually great, playing it? it now. It's, it's, it's a new um, podcast I'm going to be starting of my own called Extreme Harping. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel different playing it out here? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's always lovely to play outside because you sort of feel like you're playing with nature, don't you? And it's, the wind especially, you know, when you hear that wind going through the harp and the strings kind of play themselves. So it, uh, you know, you remember these performances and, and making music out here. I'll remember this more than... You know, some some consoles you play in, definitely. Yeah. Well, now, uh, presumably, the rest of us now need to roll our sleeves up and get ready to support the progress of the harp back yeah. down the hill. That's right, back down, yeah. But it was worth it, wasn't it? It's doing it definitely worth it. <laughs> it's having its own concert. I know, it's, see, it's taking beautiful. over. It's beautiful. Drew, you're just buckling yourself into your backpack with the... Cigar box guitar and the drum you're carrying. You're the most heavy laden, apart from the harp, obviously. You're the most heavy laden of all the people. I suppose I'm filling the very big shoes of Cooljet, and since we're not doing this with the full band, and normally I don't play with the band, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to be doing today. So I thought I'd better just have a few extra things, and then we could adapt to Prepared however we were going ev- to. any musical eventuality. Yeah, there we go. We've got so some instruments, see what happens. So I've been asking everybody what it was that drew them to this project, what it means to them. And I wonder if you could give us your take on that. Absolutely. Well, I've known Eliza for a long time. We met in London 18, 20 years ago, something like that. We've gotten up to all sorts of different projects from the most avant-garde of classical music to projects with a flamenco guitarist and an Indian singer to a lot of film and TV work that I do normally, get her involved in that. Eliza's just a joy to work with. So if she calls and says, hey, I've got a project, yes, (laughs) <laughs> it's usually the answer. Yeah. And do you have particularly strong feelings about the underlying themes of this project? But it certainly resonates with me on a number of levels. I grew up in Colorado in the States, spent most of my childhood hurting myself in the Rocky Mountains, be it snowboarding or cycling or whatever. And so my sort of connection to music and gesture and movement in music is very much intrinsically connected to nature and movement in nature as, as a sort of young person developing on both things at the same time. You know, when you're snowboarding and you're sort of flying down the side of a mountain and you feel gravity more and then you lift and then you get more and then less and boom, up and down, it's got rhythm, weight and release. And I think that all just ends up, music is such a physical thing, it ends up inevitably being linked so, um, so did you get into music been... alongside your snowboarding? Yeah, I, it, my career choices literally were when I was finishing high school, I was debating on being a ski or snowboard instructor or going to study music. And I knew I could always go back and be a ski bum, but it's good to go to uni at that age. So I opted for the flatlands of Illinois and moved to Chicago. But uh, yeah, I, I played cello since I was four and I played guitar since I found it in my dad's closet age six or seven or what have you. So absolutely, that was always me growing up. So it's very much connected to me, nature, and then the, the other set of themes that sort of intertwine with that. 
you know, movement of people, migration and all of that. Obviously, I live over here. I was born with an American passport. My wife was born with a Spanish passport. My daughter was born with a British passport. We are a sort of migrant family, as it were. And so, you know, these topics of uh, these themes of movement and, and bringing different cultures together and living in different places have very much been my life. You might notice we're a bit breathless because once again we're climbing and uh, we're climbing quite a steep path here surrounded by foxgloves, gorse and then fern dipping away towards our left and always with us, always is that vista, uh, vista to the hills on the horizon across the plain in the sunshine today as we climb up to the top. We've got to make it to the summit, haven't we? We've got to make it to the summit. We're so nearly there and like it's just such a beautiful warm wind. I know we've seen lots of views already but we may as well see the full panoramic. I think it's 1300 feet that we're going to so. Well this is like seeing it from a drone up here isn't it? You know it's like flying over it somehow. Yeah, you know absolutely. you just see the whole panorama spread out and looking down and seeing the patchwork of fields and trees and hills. What I also love at this time of year are the grasses. They're really brown and sort of feel like you're almost in the Serengeti. And they're in waves with the wind aren't they? Flowing in waves up the hill. So many different types. It's beautiful. So here we are. There's a trick point. We must be near the top. This is the main peak. And what's this hill called? This is Worcestershire Beacon. We're at the top of Worcestershire Beacon and there's a memorial here erected in 1897 in commemoration of the 60th year of Queen Victoria's reign, 1897. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And they put that up here because, I assume, it's the greatest vantage point nearby. And you can see now 360 degrees all the way around. You can, and what's really spectacular, if we turn around and look behind us, you can see down the length of the Malverns down to British camp, the old Iron Age fort down there. I think that's Herefordshire Beacon, not quite as tall as this one. I'm so glad you brought us up here. And it's been such an amazing experience for me to be with all these extraordinary musicians in this beautiful landscape. How's it been for you? I mean, it's been spectacular, actually. I'm so, so happy. It's just really brilliant. This is such a lovely way to discuss a project and spend time with everybody involved because particularly something like this, it's such a team effort. Would you like to play for us again here? Could you cope with that? I could certainly cope with it. I think we'd love to. Let's do it. If we can find a good place for you. Because of the wind, yeah. Tom, what have you got there? Well, (laughs) this is a battery-operated bit of sci-fi called a tanpura. It's a hill drone. (laughs) It's a wonderful piece of kit and it's got a big speaker on the back, hasn't it? It has. It's got the speaker there and it's got little pitch, whichever ones we want to do. We just decided to do that by itself. It's a bit like those uh, stylophones that I remember when I was a kid that you used to play with a... Oh, yes. And you can change the rhythms, the tempo of the way it oscillates, really. But it gives us a nice little drone uh, in the hills. What are you going to play? We're going to play um, the opening track from the whole album which is called Awakenings and from that we're going to go into a lovely piece that's one of Jackie's compositions called Run Wild. It's just a little flavour of it for you.
That was amazing. It was just amazing. And, and to see it in this setting was so spectacular. Oh, I just want to say thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Don. Thank you very much, Eliza, for being on Folk on Foot, for sharing this landscape, for sharing your music, for sharing your stories. It's, it's been an extraordinary day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so much for us. being here and for having us. Yeah, it's been brilliant. a real pleasure. It's been brilliant. Thank you. And you must come back to Malvern now. We'll be back <laughs> like a shot. <laughs> Freedom to Roam in the Malvern Hills. And if you enjoyed that music, well, we filmed it. And you can see the spectacular view behind those musicians. If only you will sign up to become a patron of Folk on Foot. Then you'll get access to Folk on Foot on Film, our amazing and ever-growing archive of more than 150 songs and pieces of music recorded during our travels around the UK and Ireland. And you'll have the added satisfaction of knowing that the money you give goes back into making more episodes of Folk on Foot. We need your support. We rely entirely on the support of our listeners to keep going. So please go to patreon.com slash folk on foot and sign up to become a folk on foot hero. You won't regret it. <laughs>